Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Thanks to Gabby and the team for leading us so well in worship tonight. Um, I always come up here with the last song still playing in my mind and all I'm hearing is doom, 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 <laughs> So no, we pray, praise the Lord. May his kingdom indeed come. So last week we considered the circumstances of the rich man. We continue in Luke chapter 16 and we concluded that the rich man was rich, rich. He was flamboyant in his lifestyle. He was What's the phrase? He was soft in his lifestyle and he was dripping in his, no, he was clean in his drip. That's the one. Um, his clothes showed that this guy was living in money. One of the hardest decisions you'd have to make in 2022 would be, should I drive the Lamborghini or the Bentley? But we notice with all these riches, he was dead in his soul. We saw his eternal destiny was in hell forevermore. Tonight, we continue in the series and we, con- we consider the second part. Our series is, there are no second chances. Are you living on this earth like the rich man to die eternally? Or will you die on this earth to live eternally? So tonight, we ask the question, what does it mean What does death mean? What does it actually mean to die so that we could live? What does it mean that death is actually the pathway to life as we understand it in the scriptures? Before we even get to the sermon, I want to say already where I'm going before we get there. Off the bat, I want to remind us that Jesus laid down his life willingly so that we could lay down our lives thankfully. God has called us to die to ourselves daily so that we could live with him eternally. So today the challenge is submit your circumstances. Whether you are rich, rich, or whether you are poor, poor, whether you find yourself somewhere in between, submit your circumstances to God. Submit your desires to God. Submit your ambitions to God. Submit them to the foot of the cross so that you can live this life in contentment, in peace, and in ultimate joy. So tonight we consider Lazarus. Some know him as the poor man, but tonight I want to call him by his name. See, we live in a country where the plight of Lazarus is easy for us to understand. It's easy for us to understand exactly what Lazarus was going, was going through because at the robot, we see people like Lazarus. Outside shopping centers, in fact, sometimes outside our doorsteps are people who are poor with little to nothing many of whom have nothing but the clothes that we see on their backs. These clothes are barely hanging on to their bodies, many of whom have sores and bruises all over their body from from, from termites and bugs from the ground and sometimes from getting scratched or beaten by other people, many of whom also have the scary marks or evidence of some sort of anorexia. So tonight, turn with me to Luke chapter 16. With this in mind, hear the words of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 16, we start our reading again from verse 19. The words of Jesus read, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, 
who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his wounds. The poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side, but the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Verse 25, but Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime, in your lifetime, sorry, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus like men of bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides, all this between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross over from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophet, prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, surely they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Father, tonight we come to your word praying that it is your spirit that leads us. I pray, Lord, even as I speak that, God, your spirit would give me the right words to say. And that which does not align with your word, Lord, I pray that you'd help me not to say it. Help me, Lord, to overlook it even in my notes. Help me, Lord, to say all that you have desired for me to preach tonight for the edification of your church. God, I pray for the listeners, Lord. I pray that you'd help them to not be distracted. Distracted, Lord, by their own burdens, distracted by me, distracted by fatigue, or distracted by their own circumstances, Lord. But rather, help them to clearly listen to the words that you have prepared for them tonight. Lord, I do pray that you bless our time together going through your word. But Lord, lastly, I pray that you challenge us. God, what is our heart's chief desire? I pray that you'd reveal to us tonight what is taking your rightful place, what is taking the place of your glory in our lives. And help us, Lord, we can't do it without your spirit. Help us to repent and do that which you have called us to do, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, as I've said, today we could, tonight we consider dying to live. As we considered last week tonight, I'd like us to consider the circumstances of Lazarus on earth. The circumstances of Lazarus on earth. We see in verse 20, And at his gate, the rich man's gate, laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Now it's interesting for us to note that Jesus continues this story with a conjunction. He says, and. He says, and at his gate. What I don't want us to miss here is is what Jesus is really pointing out. Jesus is pointing out that at the same time as, parallel to the rich man was the poor man. These two men didn't just live in the same timeline, but they lived in the same eye line. 
They were aware of each other's presence, and, they, and we saw last week that the rich man knew who Lazarus was. He knew Lazarus by name when he asked of Abraham and said, Father Abraham, won't you ask Lazarus to dip his finger in water and place it in my tongue, for I am great anguish and torment. But notice, we read in our passage that the rich man was clothed in the richest material while the poor man was clothed in sores. He was in such a bad way that he couldn't even beg on street corners, but he had to be laid at the doorstep of the rich man. What, what seemed to be a strategic positioning, what seemed to be the ideal place for a beggar to be right by the doorstep of the rich man when he could smell what was coming from the kitchen, but in actual fact, what, was, what seemed to be the ideal place was actually a place of torture. Notice that as he laid there, he was attended by no one but dogs. It's crazy to think that even the dogs had much more than Lazarus. And it was these same dogs who would care more for Lazarus than even the rich man who had all these riches. The dogs come up to Lazarus and they licked his wounds in an attempt to relieve him of his suffering, to relieve him of the pain brought by his wounds. A commentator makes an interesting comment, well, a challenging comment. He says, this was a touching act of brute pity in the absence of human relief. It is a case of heartless indifference amidst luxuries of every kind to one of God's poorest and most afflicted ones presented daily before the eye. Reading this, I was challenged. I asked myself the question, and I asked the question tonight, what is our response to the poor who are in our midst? What is our response to the poor who are at the robot, or who are at the doorstep, or at the shopping centers? How do we respond? Are we like the rich man? Maybe we also ignore them, because we have been desensitized to the reality of poverty in our country. We've become so used to the fact that there's going to be people begging for money at the robot, so we're going to ignore them all because that's the reality of our country. We may ignore them because, hey, we've been burnt before. I've helped this guy, but he took advantage of me. So therefore, I will become apathetic to the plight of the poor people. I'll become deaf to their cries because I've been burnt before. But my question tonight is, church, is this what God has called us to? Is this the response of a true believer. I went a step further and asked myself the question. That I started wondering, what if the, the person begging at the robot, what if the person begging on my doorstep for a piece of bread, what if he is part of his pasture? What if he's a lost sheep who needs to hear the gospel? What if he's a fellow brother? How will he hear without a preacher? Aren't I supposed to be the preacher? I then ask myself the question, is the story of the Good Samaritan only for us to teach our children, only for us to be taught in Sunday school, only for us to learn when we're young and forget when we're older? Consider Jesus' words in chapter 14 of the same book. He says, but when you feast, invite the poor. Invite the crippled, invite the lame, invite the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. How about Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 18? We spoke about it last week when Jesus was referring to the rich young ruler. Jesus said to him, 
Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now, Obviously, we read these passages and our minds already say, yes, we know the Lord is not, is not calling us to do exactly this. This passage is prescriptive and it's, not, it's descriptive and not prescriptive. However, Jesus is challenging our hearts. He is challenging what is consuming our hearts. Are we consumed by ourselves and our riches that we wouldn't consider obeying God if he did ask you to give up your riches? If he did ask you to give up your car, if he did ask you to give up your house, are we so consumed with the material things of this world that that question is not even worth considering? Jesus was challenging the heart. Lazarus was rock bottom. His circumstances were so bad that being a dog seemed better than being a human. It says he desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Other translations say he desired to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. But however, we read from his final response that, that Lazarus' circumstances, be it as poor as he was, be it as in need as he was, these things did not lead him away from God, but they led him to God. It's encouraging to me because in the flesh, you look at this man's lifestyle and it's almost as if in the flesh we can say, man, curse God and die. But this man said, I will believe in my God. He was not led away from God. Instead, he was led to God. We can say about the poor man that he was indeed poor in spirit. He died on earth. He died to himself so that he could live in glory. So tonight, church, Let us not let our circumstances distract us from the reality of God. Let us not allow our circumstances to distract us from the reality that, that He sacrificed His life for us. Therefore, we notice that the rich man was poor in, the poor man was, Lazarus was poor in material things, but praise the Lord, he was rich in Christ. Consider the circumstances of Lazarus in death. Lazarus was dying to live. Lazarus had nothing physically, but he had everything spiritually. Like the rich man, we notice that Lazarus also dies. Again, I have to make the point, friends, that death is inevitable. Our faith in Jesus Christ does not exempt us from the reality of death. Whether you believe in Jesus or whether you don't, dying you will die if Jesus does not return before that. Be it in Christ or be it out of Christ, death is real. Our faith in Christ doesn't free us from life's passage of grief, even over our loved ones who pass away. But faith in Jesus does give us a great hope. Faith in Jesus gives us a great assurance that there is better to come. Faith in Jesus gives us a great comfort that even in our grief, I can be comforted that there is life after death and it is through Jesus Christ. So I can grieve in hope that it is not the end. Notice the poor man died and was carried by angels to Abraham's side. Remember what was said about the rich man? It said he died and was buried. But Lazarus was never alone. 
He had nothing and no one in this life, but he was comforted in his death. He was carried by angels to Abraham's side. Again, I love the, the, the KJV. The KJV says he was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. <laughs> Lazarus longed to have crumbs from the rich man's table, but in his death he feasted with so much better. He feasted in the table of heaven. Notice that only his name is mentioned, for his name is the only one that matters. It was Lazarus' name that was written in the Lamb's book of life. For though he was denied scraps, he found himself feasting with Jesus. He found himself feasting with the great Abraham. He found himself feasting with the great cloud of witnesses we find in Hebrews chapter 11. He feasted with the kings. He feasted with the prophets. He feasted with the believers of the ages that had passed. And church, he will also be feasting with the 12 apostles. And he will be feasting with us one day in glory because he believed in Jesus. Church, all good things come from the hand of the Lord our God. It is God who gives us riches. It is God who gives us marriages. It is God who gives us our children. It is God who puts us in school and university. Everything we have comes from the merciful hand of God. And as a believer, we are to be using it for the kingdom of God. So practically your money. Did you know that your money has been given to you by God so that you can have your daily bread? God has given you your daily bread only so that you can be an effective kingdom servant. So the challenge is have an open hand when it comes to your money. Have an open hand to spend to that which is going to have an eternal value. How about your education? Whether you're in high school or you're in tertiary, your education is not just a transitionary period from being in your mom's house and then being independent. But God has allowed for you to study where you are currently studying so that you can be an effective kingdom servant there and so that you can be equipped for the season that is to come. It is both now and is both for the season to come. Do not waste this season. What about your marriage? <laughs> That is God's too. What about your singleness? That's God's too. God wants to use your singleness. He wants to use your marriage for your sanctification. That whether you are single or whether you are married, both of which are to be used for the kingdom of God. If you're single, man, you've got more time to serve Jesus. So don't waste that time. If you're married, you're distracted, but together you can do more. So worship Jesus. Don't waste that time. Do you get it? Everything we have is for the kingdom of God if you believe in him. All who are born again must understand that we must seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you for the kingdom of God. It is not seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you so you start serving the all these things. The all these things are for the kingdom of God. You are to recognize, friends, that the devil is more craftier than any other creature in the garden. His name literally means the deceiver. He is looking to tempt you to worship the, crea the creation rather than the creator. He wants you to worship the creature and not the creator. He wants you to worship the gift and not the giver. He wants to get you distracted by the temporal and not the eternal. 
Praise God, Lazarus lived, the word, lived out in his life the words of Jesus in John chapter 12. John chapter 12 verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Jesus' words to the rich man, he said, you have had your good on this earth. But that was not true of Lazarus. But Lazarus now is comforted whilst you are in anguish. So to close, I want to close with some implications to the story. The one man had everything on this earth, but he had no identity in Christ. The other had nothing, but he was known in Christ. So my question in this series, my challenge in this two-part sermon is who would you rather be? Would you rather be Lazarus with everything in this world and everything that you could buy in this world? I mean, would you rather be the rich man with everything or would you rather be Lazarus? And, and maybe you have less in this world, but you have Christ. See, again, this sermon is, is not to say that having much, or having, having much means you're a believer and having, no, having much means you're going to hell and having little means you're going to heaven. No. But this is a sermon to say where is your heart? Who is your master? This is a call to reprioritize God. Church, God and his kingdom are not supposed to fit into our busy schedules. God and his kingdom are not supposed to fit into our ambitions and our dreams, but our schedules, ambitions, and dreams are to fit into his kingdom work. The nation Israel had this priority shift wrong. And we saw that they pursued their ambitions, they pursued their goals, they pursued their dreams, while the house of the Lord laid in ruins. God took the back seat. So church, in this sermon series, key, mini sermon series, I'm here to sound the alarm. I am here to remind us of what we may have already known in our minds, but we've rejected in our hearts. I'm here to remind you that tomorrow is not promised to you. I'm here to remind you that tomorrow is not yours. All you have is today. So how have you responded to the gospel? What have you done with the blessings that God has given you for the sole purpose of his kingdom? What and who has, who, what or who has your heart apart from God? How have you responded to Jesus' clear warning in this passage that death is coming and after death there is judgment. There is the reality of hell. There is the reality of anguish and torment. How have you responded to that warning? How have you responded to the reality of heaven and glory and feasting with Jesus for all eternity? Where will your soul dwell when you die? For dying you will. Believer, there's an account that we must give. 
There's an account that we must give for the time, for the resources that God has given us for his service. Where have we spent that which belongs to God? Would you rather be known on the earth for your fame and fortunes? Would you rather have your fill of life on this side of heaven? Would you rather have comfort? Does comfort mean more to you than the Lord Jesus Christ himself? Are you willing to sacrifice a relationship with God for the pursuit of the material things of this world? Or on the other side of the coin, are you going to allow your current suffering Are you going to allow your hardship? Are you going to allow your lack to make you turn from God? Would you rather strive to gain the whole world and yet lose your soul? Jesus spent a lot of time in the Gospels. He spent a lot of time in his life here on earth teaching about hell. I remember the song, I'm on the highway to hell. And I just sit and I think that, man, people on this earth will make light of hell. (laughs) They think it's a 24-7 party spot where you get to hang out with your friends, where you get to freely express your sinfulness without being guilted by those Christians and their Bible. It's a place of freedom finally. But that's nothing as how Jesus describes hell to be. It's a place of anguish and torment. It is a place where the wrath of God is unleashed to sinful mankind. I want to assure you, if you're sitting here tonight as a skeptic, I want you to know that right now in hell there are no skeptics. Instead, there are those living in eternal regret. On the other side of the coin is, would you rather suffer on this earth for the sake of righteousness? Would you rather live in contentment for what you've been giving? Live in obedience to God by loving Him through your devotion and through your discipline that you display the fruit of righteousness. Man, I was encouraged by Lazarus' name. You know, it's amazing, names in the Bible. Lazarus' name actually means he who God helps. Isn't that ironic? It seems like Lazarus had nothing, but his name meant he who God helps. So tonight, I want to call you. God wants to help you too. If you are here tonight and want the help that Lazarus received, trust in God. Believe in Jesus. Trust in him for your eternal destiny. But don't stop there, believer. Trust in him also for your destiny day to day. Trust him also for your needs day to day. Regardless if you have everything or if you're like right down there in the barrel, trust in him. Trust and pray. Pray, God, in my life, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But don't pray that prayer without the understanding that God's will does not mean you'll be rich. (laughs) But God's will means you could be rich, but you could be poor. But whatever you will be, you will be good. (laughs) For you have God. Won't you be willing to count, as the Apostle Paul did, everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, his Lord? He says, for for his sake, he was willing to suffer the loss of all things, for he counted them as rubbish in order that he would gain Christ. 
May this be true of us. But I also want to remind you that you need to realize that you cannot earn your way out of the pathway to hell. You cannot push your way through the doors of heaven and you also can't pray pay church or you can't pray a, bar, a bribe for someone to take you out of hell. It is only through sincere faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on that cross that will get you into heaven. So tonight, won't you believe? Dear believer, sorry, dear unbeliever number one, I want you to know as you sit here tonight, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that you are a sinner. It's not my words, it's the words of the sacred scriptures. The Bible says that you are a sinner on the conveyor belt to hell. The Bible says that you are a sinner and because of all your sin, God is going to pour out his holy anger upon you. The Bible says because of all your sin is a sin against a holy God. You are guilty of his wrath. You are, you are worthy of nothing but eternal damnation for your sins. The punishment is deserved. Don't buy the world's lies where the world says it's unfair. We've sinned against the Holy God, friends. This judgment cannot be overturned unless a penalty is paid. And this penalty is eternity in the lake of fire under the righteous anger of God to sinful men and the demons and the devil himself. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, spiritual death under the wrath of God. But, but, listen carefully, O unbeliever. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says that whilst you were still caught up in your sin, that God loved you so much that he died on the cross, taking your penalty upon himself, that you could receive his reward of life. But you must believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Do not tarry. Do not delay. Tomorrow is not promised to you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Believe in his substitutionary work on the cross and his resurrection to be saved. Believe, believe, believe. Won't you believe today? Dear believer, as you know from the Bible, Good trees produce good fruit, and bad trees, bad fruit. What fruit do you display? There's a life of joy. There's a life of peace. There's a life of contentment that is promised to those who are found in Jesus. Did you know that? Do you believe that Jesus actually cares for your soul eternally, but he also cares for your well-being today? Do you believe that everything that happens in this life is allowed by God for his kingdom reasons? Believer, do you believe that? Do you believe that everything that happens to you is to rebuke you, is to correct you, is to edify you, is to strengthen you, or it is simply to encourage you? And that's why we have these various trials. Church, it is the Lord who gives and it's the Lord who takes away. But his name remains blessed. You cannot, O oh believer, worship two masters. It's either God 
or it's either your circumstances. Which will you choose? As I close today, I want to close with words to a song. I assumed it was an old song, so if the older people smile, then it's an old song. (laughs) The song reads, Give me not money, for it rots, it rots away my soul till it is gone. Give me not luxury, for it pierces and causes many pains till I'm alone. Give me not pride, for it leads, it leads me far from truth till I am blind. Give me not fame, for it makes an idol of my name. How could I? Give me your spirit to fight, to fight against this flesh all my days. Give me your wisdom to know, to know that you are right in all of your ways. If you are not my only treasure, I have nothing at all. If you are not what I desire, hope is lost, hope is lost. If you are not my only treasure, I have nothing at all. If you are not what I desire, hope is lost, hope is lost, it is lost. Let's pray. Lord, we do live in a world where it's so easy to just put our heads down and just keep grinding. It's so easy to put our heads down and just work, 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 and just drive, 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 and just be workhorses, just working and working and working, forgetting to ask the question, why? Why am I doing the things that I am doing? Am I doing it to honor the Lord and serve his kingdom? Or am I doing it for myself? Lord, as believers, you have called us back. Lord, when we were in the world, we were living for the world, like the world, for ourselves. But now that we've been redeemed, meaning we've been bought back, meaning we've been purchased at a price, meaning that we now belong to you, meaning that you are our master, God, it means that our lives need to be to serve you and you alone. Lord Jesus, I pray for those sitting in this room tonight. God, if there's one who has been distracted, Lord, distracted in in pursuing their ambitions, in pursuing their desires, in pursuing riches and forgetting about you or even putting you on the back burner, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd rebuke them tonight. Show them, God, that you have called us to live for you and all these other things are secondary. Lord, help us to not just say it with our lips, but believe it in our hearts. That God, my work, my school my family, my time, my possessions. God, all of them are yours. You have given them to me and I'm just a steward of these things. God, using them, using them for your glory. God, I also do pray if there's an unbeliever in this room. God, hell is real. Father, those who die without you, Lord, the Bible says they're condemned already. Oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that your gospel tonight would penetrate their hearts. 
Lord, I pray that you soften their hearts tonight, Lord. Make their hearts hearts of flesh, that they would receive your gospel, Lord, that they would pass from death to life, that, God, they would be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your marvelous light, that they would say together with us, oh, praise the Lord, that I am saved. I have a new master. It's no longer the evil one, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ. No longer am I living in darkness, but I live in light. Lord, I do pray that we would see a change, Lord, a, a change in what we prioritize. And God may be seen in the fruit that we produce as your children, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.